You know, I think everybody has one. It's that guy that left town, go on a surf trip, and come back with the photo. Well, that was the Dune Man in 1977 for me, living in Orlando, Florida. The Dune Man came back from an extended trip to Central America, but he had the picture and the stories. Finally, after 40 years, I've tracked him down, and today we're going to hang out, talk story with the Dune Man as he discusses travel to El Salvador during Civil War, his first time out at Puerto Escondido, and the property that he bought, and the photos, which is Pavones in Costa Rica. He talks about sinking ships, the lure of surfing, the end of the search, drug lords, and taking advice from the dead. I hope you enjoy hanging out in Marco's Hammock. Thank you for listening. You know, I want to I want to start this really by telling you thank you. I mean, I really want to you should know how thankful I am. And you have been talked about. Um, I'm going back to the 80s uh, when I left um, Orlando. And, and I should tell everybody that the Dune Man and, and myself are from Orlando, which was a very conservative place to be in the 60s and 70s i mean all our dads were or my dads all the dads i knew were you know engineers and the the button yep. down and the, yep. and the, the whitey tidies yep you know <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that uh surfing for us was a, it was kind of a way of us um really breaking out of that and uh you know the whole counterculture scene that went with that uh it was i think it was a way of establishing our identities apart from our fathers in part. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I've thought about that because it's like, it was a pretty attractive place to grow up and be like our fathers. I mean, yeah. you, you had a pretty much guaranteed in with, uh, you know, businesses around there. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I kind of just want to thank you for um, you being an influence from high school days. I mean, when I tell people that uh, <laughs> when the Duke man was in high school, can you just walk through that? I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you Central America's. I just, it was just Dune Man and Central America and yeah. some pictures that we'll talk about later. But it could be wrong. Is you own you actually own property while you're in high school in a town in somewhere in Central America that I hope you'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I think um, for me, sur- surfing has you know, and I'm looking at it now from a historical perspective, but it goes all the way back. Surfing for me was a way of connecting with the deepest aspects of my soul and my calling. And I don't mean called like in a kind of a career, but I mean called in what brings us home to ourselves in the most fundamental and, and, and nourishing way. And so surfing did that. And, and it, you know, it was following the tides and the seasons. It was, being in the water element, it was, uh, it, it was the, the, you know, I mean, really, what is surfing? What is surfing? It's, it's riding pulses of energy <laughs> that happen to pass through water, but that's not really what you're riding. You're riding these pulses of energy that we don't even see in a certain sense until they become manifest in water. And so there was a, there was a connection to something very deep and very powerful that uh, and, well, let me cut in here real quick. Uh, so, um, so you felt that when you first were in the, or did you come to develop that? Because 
that's uh, radically different from where the way I started and felt. Yeah, no, I think I think that draw was there, but I don't think that I fully really understood the draw until later on in my life. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like, okay. but but the the pull was definitely there. You know, and um, so I mean, I grew up and you know, it's interesting you say that because in my mind, my memory of it, I was just one surfer guy amongst a whole bunch of other surfer guys, no better, no worse. And, you know, that was just, we just were all, you know, we were all kind of into it at the time. I mean, I appreciate your, your, your words. Uh, so you grew up in Florida, um, as far as I know, like, can you start, like, how did, was the first time you went in the water? And then yeah. can you t- talk a little bit of how that ended up to you being in Central America? Yeah, I, I, um, I gosh, the first time I went in the water, I remember I was getting my, rides with Mike. Uh, I remember he was a crazy ass dude <laughs> and I used to, we used to drive in his galaxy 500 to the beach and, and, uh, that, you know, I was, I don't know, I must've been 14 or something like that. I couldn't okay, drive. You start right. Okay. So man, too bad. Mike doesn't have that galaxy 500 anymore. He'd be either be styling or he'd be, he'd be rich. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think, I think that, uh, you know, I just got a real appetite for, you know, there's, there's, there's waves out there, man. There's the big world and there's waves out there. And, and I don't remember how it is that I, you know, figured El Salvador, but that's where, that's kind of, that's kind of where I ended up. And I, and, uh, right. Okay. And we went down to La Libertad in, uh, in El Salvador, really nice right point break. And we stayed there for about six weeks. And, um, you know, it, it was so. So just I want to come back to this theme that surfing delivered me. It, in a certain sense, it was this vehicle that delivered me to this. Oh, yeah. To more of an authentic s- sense of myself. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the travel was so integral in that because you, when you go surfing, you don't just you know, back then anyway, you don't just drop into some resort. We were living, you know, in places that were 50 cents a night and amongst really impoverished people. I remember walking one day to the surf break in Lali Bertad and walking by a funeral parlor, like a funeral house. And I remember looking in the window and seeing that all of the 90% of the coffins in there were three feet in length. And wow. It, and it hit me. I realized in that moment you know, the, the, the level of poverty and the level of, uh, and, and the difference in our, in our privilege, really, I guess, to use a, a more yeah, modern sure. thing people should understand is you guys were there in the middle of the civil war. Yeah, I mean, right. We went there there. In the of, yeah. There's a civil war that had started and, uh, yeah. we kind of kept our head low and I guess, and, which might have might've had a, a pretty good, um, influence on the 50 cent a night room price. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of competition for hotel rooms well, right and there, you know weren't a whole lot of surfers around either back then either you know but uh yeah yeah i just think it's interesting that you guys chose el salvador i mean there's like there's that whole i don't know two thousand miles stretch south of the border yeah and uh let's see there's all these places we could go Let, yeah let's go let's go where there's a civil war going on that, that sounds pretty good yeah well, but the, the rights are amazing, man. <laughs> really great rights. <laughs> well, when I was down there, you know, I was sitting there and some surfer came by and started saying, hey, there's this place up in Mexico called Puerto Escondido. You got to go check it out. 
I said, shit, I'm on it, you know? And I think um, that was around, I mean, we, yeah. we were down there yeah. for about six weeks and then he kind of went his way and I went my way and I ended up going up to Puerto and uh, lived there for another six weeks, right in like June and July. And um, uh-huh. man, let me tell you something, that was a real eye popper. I had never in my life, obviously seen a wave like that. And um, Mm -hmm. I remember I was living in this grass hut and sleeping in a hammock, Um, you know, because you don't go near the floor. The floor's got scorpions and shit running around. So you got to, you want to hang your ass up high where the scorpions don't get you. And I remember we were, I lived probably a mile or two miles from the beach. And I remember feeling the earth shake in the morning when I wake up, you could feel the concussion of the break, uh, like a mile and a half or two miles yeah. away. Fucking yeah. Sorry, my language. Incredible, huh? Yeah. It was no, just, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's explicit on here. We can, we can say <laughs> fuck all we want. <laughs> yeah. It's just we can listen. say shit. We can say whatever you want. It's yeah. good. It was. Yeah. Great. No, I know. No. So let me, let me just butt in here real quick. Cause I'm, I'm trying to get a mental, image and maybe someone who's listening would be too so you're you're there around i'm thinking you're 19 so it must have been around 77 yep yep that's right so 1977 you went to puerto escondido which would have been back in those days uh uh it wouldn't have been a pioneering move but but i you know it would have been first served in the 60s and then a couple guys and then yeah. but i think that main push to go to escondido came about after the uh the pipeline specific board shapes you know the pintail single thing right. yep. was designed because before that those those old loggy 60s boards there's just no way you're going to no. take off on yeah right you know which is a, is a, a jack and steep and very thick bone crunching uh wipe out uh onto shallow sand that um from my recollection do you, do you remember th- anything in the shallows there that was particularly dangerous because i do I yeah, I mean, I I um I just remember on a, you know, what to me was a pretty big day which was way overhead. I mean, I don't, you know, it was just it was Yeah. And there, you know, a way overhead wave, the damn wave is wider than it is tall. <laughs> you know, <so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're going to pay your dues for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I remember getting caught in caught on the inside and you know, we didn't wear leashes back then. I didn't wear a leash there anyway. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I lost my board and I got, got caught in the impact zone and just pounded and the rips were dragging me out and the waves were pushing me in. And, and, um, yeah, you know, I, I really didn't think I was going to make it out. And finally I did. And, uh, you know, sat on the beach and just kind of thought to myself, wow, this is, this is, you know, this is really serious shit. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I and was, how many guys would have been down there at this time? Um, you know, I think the, in the lineup, you know, it's spread out. But I, shit, I pretty much I didn't I didn't have to give a wave up very often. <laughs> you know that we were pretty spread out right. there. You know, and uh, you, you had your pick of waves. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it, it was it was um, it was great. I had the I had the most intense waves of my life there. I think probably. Um, you know, and there were days that were so big I didn't go out. No, no way I'd go out in that. And so here you are, you're 19, you're in Mexico, uh, not the cleanest place, 1977. Not, not the most hygienic place to go as a teenager. <laughs> 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 That's a good answer. 
Um, what were your parents thinking? I mean, yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I remember, you know, back then we couldn't text people and just like say, hey, you know, my parents had no freaking idea where I was. And, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, and I hadn't talked to them in six weeks. And they just knew I was somewhere down there. And my poor mother, <laughs> bless her soul, was worried sick. And I'm finally, sure. yeah, and finally they heard from me because I ran out of money. I needed them to wire me some money. So, yeah. you know, I back back, back then you'd have to... son's love, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Send love and money. Thanks, Bye. mom. I'll talk to you again in six weeks. Yeah, but back then you'd have to go into like they didn't have public phones per se. You'd have to go into a phone store where the operator would, you know, hook you up on a collect call. And you'd sit in a little booth there and, you know, have a conversation. It, it was really archaic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, but at so, least you were able to get through sometimes, right? I mean, yeah, I did. I got through on occasion uh -huh. and let them know that I was okay. And, and uh -huh. uh, yeah. So, but, but so when you told them or when you originally told them you were going to go on this trip, uh, what, what, do you remember that? Yeah, were my, you just focused on going and it didn't matter what they said? Yeah, uh, pretty much that was it. I was focused on yeah. going and, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, my dad got it. He understood. My mom worried about me, um, mm -hmm. but prayed a lot, I guess. But, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. 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 But your dad, but your dad understood it, huh? Yeah. He was, he, uh, cool. he, he kind of got it that uh, boys need to go and have their adventures. Mm -hmm. And he didn't understand the surfing thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I want to go back to something real quick. I remember early in my life, my when I was really a kid, my father, we used to have a little boat with a front, you know, like a bow rider. And I remember going and shooting Sebastian Inlet. They used to call shooting the inlet because it was actually dangerous down there going out that. And we would go up these ways and down, you know, and I'd be in the bow of the boat. And I, you know, the waves looked huge to me when I was a kid. And, right. But there was something terrifying and absolutely engrossing and alluring about the sea and the waves and and all of that. And that was my father's fun was to shoot the inlet and bounce up and down. And, you know, there's a certain mm -hmm. way in which he passed that on to me, that that uh, that the love for the thrill, the love for the adrenaline and and the um, and the sea. Right. I totally, turned, I totally see that. I mean, he was he was basically using the boat as a as a surfing vehicle yeah, coming in. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. even people from our generation who were raised like uh, with the saying like "Don't come home till it's dark" and uh, "Why are you yeah. sitting around the house?" And, uh, parents have become a lot more conservative, and to have a kid and a little guy in the bow, you know, while you're coming in through, get the counter current thing so that the 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 whole river that inland that uh, inland waterway rushes out through the inlet and when the surf's coming in you get that that counter uh, current going and it can be kind of dangerous I mean boats flip out there yeah pretty frequently I think yeah so, yeah right yeah. yeah for for him to put you in the front was uh, was pretty cool of him actually yeah let you have a little charge so okay yeah. well that gives me a good idea for your parents I, my mine were similar like that exactly yeah. you know. But, you know, I just want to mention when you were in high school, you you know, my I'm pretty sure you have an opinion. You know, you you're always really easy to get along with. And you and I actually worked a job together. At, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was one of the shuckers and you were one of the waiters. Yeah. And uh, 
which the you know the waiter was the upscale job there. No, I, I, used to, got, I, I, I got that. I didn't get it. Yeah. I had to shuck stinking oysters. No, those I used to guys. shuck oysters too, man. I used to have the blast behind the bar. The basket. Yeah, you did. Huh? <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, when you felt like, whenever you felt like it. <laughs> you always were this guy, like especially in high school, like really focused, um, not sticking around too much after work, uh, going off to do your thing. Um, Really good posture, great hair, great hair. <laughs> yeah, well, you should see it now. There's no hair. <laughs> well, you, you maybe I don't know. Maybe it's from all the, you know, we, we used to dye our hair so that we would definitely be recognized as, as surfers at school. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hydrogen peroxide and lemon. You remember that shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You had to, you had to try it. <laughs> Even if your hair was dark or something, if it came out orange, it didn't matter. You were a surf, <laughs> You're a surf rat. Yeah, That's all that matters. You know, it was funny when I remember in high school, I used to play soccer too. And so I remember kind of living between these two worlds. There was kind of the jock world and then there was a the surfer world. And uh-huh. I, I always really loved the surfers were my, bro- my brothers way more uh-huh. than, than the jocks were. It, it just, and there was, and I guess that's what I mean by, you know, I mean, look, they're both sports in a certain way, right? Soccer is a sport and people love soccer and I still love soccer today, but there's something that is sublime about surfing that, that people who don't surf, it's really hard to communicate that in a way that they get. Um, it's just something absolutely sublime about it. Yeah. Well, well, kind of. How, how would you describe it in like two, 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 two sentences? Like how somebody who doesn't surf when you say that, like a lot of people, like I just saw Derek Ho, rest in peace, passed away yeah. uh, yesterday of a heart attack at fifty-five. Wow! And I was thinking today, like you know, uh, how do you describe surf to someone? And especially like there's so much um, hero worship in in the world, you know, right. soccer players and Tom Brady's and you know whoever yeah. else and stuff. And I was thinking. You know, Derek Ho surfed pipeline till he was 55 till he died. Um, I can't even imagine those guys even even like putting their toes in at pipeline. I mean, right. and everybody worships him. But I, I would take any athlete on the planet and say, OK, here you go. Get aboard. Go right. out to pipe. Do, right. do it. Derek's doing 55. You yeah. know, they, there's like the Masters golf tournament and the Masters tennis and stuff. And. And I always think that about surfers is they're such good athletes. I mean, they wouldn't be the greatest at hockey or they wouldn't be the greatest on the football field, but they, they definitely would have the balls to go out there and try it. I mean, right. they, they would be no doubt that Derek Ho would be playing linebacker if he told me, hey, man, go out there and play linebacker. Okay, shit, man, shoot, bro, I go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. George Pipeline at 55, there's very few things, maybe rock climbing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Right. off cliffs, base jumping, but um, so how, how would you describe surfing? Like, well, somebody once asked me, "What's the difference between snowboarding and surfing? Aren't they pretty much the same?" I said, "No. Imagine you're snowboarding and the mountain is moving. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. the, the whole thing is in motion, and and yeah, and the, the, it's so dynamic in that regard. But beyond all of that, I think that that." There, there is an element. There is an element of there's a relationship. I remember. I'm just going to tell you a quick story. I remember one time when 
I guess this is probably true in other sports, but I remember one time here at my local break during hurricane season one year, I was out there surfing and, and I was starting to ask myself, well, what, you know, what is it to really deeply connect with the ocean? Like, what is it that keeps pulling me, getting me to paddle out? It's not just riding the waves. It's, there's something else going on, you know? And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember, um, exploring and experimenting with that just kind of sitting in with that and i remember i had an impulse to paddle out kind of outside over to the to the left normally waves don't come in through that area but i just had this sense that i'm going to go and hang out there and i went there and the wave of the day came through and i picked it up and rode it you know and so there's 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 a there's a there's a dialogue that happens i think between surfers and the rhythms of the ocean whether it's tides or swells or seasons or you know i I remember when i was a kid when we would used to go surfing in the winter down there which by the way winter surfing in florida is like a joke we still freeze (laughs) it's still cold (laughs) i know you're laughing because you're up in rhode island or connecticut rhode island right right? Yeah. yeah Yeah, but I, you know, it's, I remember even young, I mean, when I was in high school, feeling what it is to drive up, you know, on a cold morning, you know, in January and look out and, you know, the seagulls are floating in the air because there's so much wind. And it's such a different kind of experience than you're surfing in the summer and just following the ocean, having a relationship with the ocean like that throughout an entire season. You know, or now I do a lot of sailing, and so I'm. Uh, it's a little different, but the, it, it, it in the end, at the end of the day, it's this. It's a kind of, it's 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 about a relation, you know, with a wave, with an individual wave. You catch the yeah. the wave of the day, and it's just like there's this, there's this mm-hmm. indescribable kind of back and forth. It's 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 like a marriage, you know, a quick one, but it's like right. you know, it's a marriage, and and. Yeah or two where uh you know that that wave is special for you once in once in an eternity yeah like people don't connect that you had mentioned it earlier you are riding universal uh pulses from a star right i mean it's a it's a pretty intense thing when you analyze it you know that deeply and and uh you know there's there's a myth there's a myth mythos around surfing of finding the perfect wave the endless summer. The movie was made. The endless summer, and 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 it's there's this kind of constant longing that we have to find the perfect wave. Now, what is that? You know, what is the perfect wave? I, I, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, you know, in a certain sense, it's a myth, so it doesn't exist. And yet, still, there's this longing for it. There's this wanting to return mm-hmm. to it, right? And why do you say it doesn't? Why do you say it doesn't exist? Well, Cause I, yeah, because there's there are beautiful waves out there. Are beautiful waves out there, but the I, you know the the notion of finding the perfect wave is to you know that you will arrive at at some place that it can't get any better than that. It's perfect, so it can't get any better than right. That, you know, right. And yet, and Got yet, it, it always it, there there there's always another wave. But so there's a there's a search, there's a longing that we have, and a search that we undergo to find this perfect wave. And I think it is absolutely central to the human experience. And, you know, when I, when we look at the, the pinnacle, the, the ideal um, ride, right. Is to be deep in the heart of a barrel, right. To be, to Mm -hmm. be, to be inside of this energy, 
right? This in the, to yeah. literally be inside of and one with this pulse of energy. I don't know of any other sport. I don't know of any other activity, quite frankly, that delivers it in such a direct way uh, as surfing does. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and do, you know, so it's interesting because I, I think when I began the conversation, one of the things I said was that there's a way in which surfing has delivered me to myself. Right. And, and, you know, part, part of the trajectory of my life has been a, a fairly uh, intense practice of meditation. I remember you early on being very, probably the first person I ever met that was into the healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Even in high school. So, right. so this meditative thing is a, has been a lifelong thing for you, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, and when so- I went to El Salvador, I went packed with all kinds of books, you know, Rilke's mm-hmm. poetry and just all kinds of mm-hmm. reading materials. Because for me, it was, it was a rite of passage. It wasn't just a surf trip. It was really, it became a rite of passage. It became a way mm-hmm. of, of, and I think it is for so many of us. Whether we name mm-hmm. it that or not, surf the life the, the surfing lifestyle becomes a, a, a spiritual pursuit and in a, a rite of passage. Um, right, seven. You are the first person I remember, like actually conscious about your, you know, your food and your posture and your the way you uh, ate and you know the rest and the whole thing like that. Yeah. From an early time, maybe that's because you were you know, taking the jock thing pretty serious. But anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you too much. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so it's become a practice of mine. And, and there was a period in which I kind of gave up surfing because my life took a different direction. And then I came back around to it and my children were born and, uh, you know, I taught them all how to surf. And my oldest son, who's now almost 30, he is 30, actually, a few years ago, he and I, uh, he ended up in Peru for a while on an exchange program with the Rotary Club and married a Peruvian woman. And he spends, he's living there right now, actually. In fact, I, <laughs> coronavirus took out a surf trip to Peru that was supposed to happen this summer, but um, another another year. Well, I'm sure he's he's probably loving it. Yeah, he yeah, is, right. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, and so he and I went on a surf trip down there uh, and you know, it was just a beautiful thing to be with my, at that time, must have been 25-year-old son, and and we were cruising around and surfing, and, and I remember we we happened to catch the biggest south swell of the season, uh, and we were at, it had to be at Chicama at the time, and, and we were surfing, and, and you know, the break is like, the, the, the fat part of the break, the whole break is even longer, but the really good section of the break is probably three-quarters of a mile long. You know, and I, I, we would surf it, and then we hired this punt to kind of take us up, you know, because the currents are wicked down there, and, and we hired this punt to kind of take us back up to the break. And, you know, afterwards, I calculated I probably surfed nine to ten miles that day. I mean, <laughs> or, or more, you know. And you're a goofy foot, right? Yeah, I'm a goofy foot, so that was just, yeah, was just a lot of fun. So, yeah, what but, a great way. So I'm sitting here, and, you know, and I have been – I've been riding all morning, right? And I'm on this, this wave and coming to the end of the wave. And I'm sitting there and out of nowhere comes this, this experience of being bored. And it was shocking to me. Here I am riding, you know, ostensibly the longest left break in the world on one of the biggest south swells of the season. And, um, and my experience is boredom. 
and 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 uh, you know in a in a, like a flash an instant i saw how i had organized my entire life around surfing that you know i would travel i would i had prenuptial agreements built in honey if it's our anniversary and the surf is good <laughs> we're celebrating the day after tomorrow not now i mean that you know, was, that, <laughs> was that kind of dedication to it and 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 so i've been chasing this my whole life right and here i am on this surf trip with my son and and I'm ha- and it's just as much fun to sit and have ceviche with my son and talk to him as it is anything else. And in that moment, I I recognized that that I have moments in my meditation room in my house that I live in all the time. I have any kind any kind of ordinary moment is absolutely as rich as this moment on this wave now. And and that. There's there's something about the search the search that was embedded in surfing all my life to find the perfect mm-hmm. wave to go on the perfect trip it just kind of mm-hmm. fell out and and mm-hmm. it was hollow you know there's a hollowness to it and and mm-hmm. I just I started laughing my ass off and I fell off the wave and sucked you know drank a whole bunch of seawater in the process but you know and I came popping back up after the ride was over and it was like yeah and you know what I'm here now and I'm going to paddle back out and I'm going to enjoy myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, but the, but the, 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 the need for it, the kind of like constant drive to, to find the perfect wave or to find whatever fulfillment was ling- somehow lingering in the middle of that experience of riding away. What I realized is that that, that experience was available at any moment under any circumstance. And, mm. And I didn't actually. I'm surprised to chase you say that after after your earlier, you know, uh, kind of you know talking earlier about how there's just no experience like surfing, especially right. when you're in a barrel and you're completely surrounded by universal energy, or yeah. you know that you know what you do connect into the to the incredible forces that are are surrounding you. I mean, so so you're you're saying through meditation almost or your lifelong pursuit that you uh, you found that you can you can kind of you can kind of get that same buzz that you, you know, looked for your whole life uh, sitting on the couch, talking to Mark. That's right. That's exactly well, that, right. That's exactly I wish right. I had that. I, can't, I cannot wait to go to Puerto Rico again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. And listen, Mark, I'm looking forward to going to Peru. I, no, listen, I get it. I, I'm, you know, as much as I love you and talking to you. I really wish I was out at like 10 foot wilderness right now. <laughs> Yeah. It, it's not, it's not that I don't love surfing anymore. I truly do. I do. And, you know, and I still go and I, I'm looking forward to going to Peru yeah. and hanging out with my son. Yeah. It's just that there's something about the, it's something about the, there's this craziness that possesses us, right? When the swell is up, we just got to like fucking run and grab the boards and get yeah. out there and scratch. There's a craziness that kind of erupts in us. And, you know, I, that's great too. I, I, but, but, I don't know. There's something about the search, the, the part of it that was the search that just isn't, it doesn't, it's not there. It's not as strong. But when I do right. go out and surf, I totally enjoy it. And I, and I'm really appreciate the depth and the quality. And really what I appreciate again is the way surfing has delivered, has delivered me really in a, in a, in a major way. It's delivered me 
to who I am, you know, who I've become. Today. Well, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to cut in here real quick because I when you give me two images. So so you're a guy that um, started 19 leaving. And like you said, six weeks, no, no contact, uh, riding buses, dirt floors with with scorpions, uh, hammocks, uh, you know, taking shits in the woods because the toilets are way too nasty. You're not going in there. Yeah. Um, you know, et cetera. The, the 70s search for surf trip. And then nowadays you're here, you are on a punt getting taken back out. So there's a different level. And I, you know, I understand the whole thing. And that's what I, that's what I think is really difficult for younger surfers to find is actually the shitting in the woods and yeah. um, not sleeping on the dirt floors with the scorpions. And, and um, that aspect of surfing that it's still the soul thing is still there. I mean, if you want to, shit in the woods you can still do it but i think a lot of guys like you say the search thing is not some like i started you're you're such an influence uh because of a photo uh i don't know if you remember but you, you had photos when you came back and um i just posted a few days ago about this picture of mark richards pulling a soul arch at back oh door. yeah that's a beautiful picture i love that picture and well these these pictures and your pictures and your stories uh, were earlier than that. So so that came out in like 78, 70, whatever. The, but that was like an impetus to go to Hawaii for a lot of guys mm. from Orlando. Chose at that time to be like, no, I'm not staying in Florida. I'm going to go. I'm going out to Hawaii. You know, Jeff Crawford had been out there and Florida boys can do it, you know, and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I was always, you know, I was 12 years on the North Shore and I was always supremely proud to be Floridian. Um, but your pictures, um, can you can you explain about the point waves? Uh, the first time I ever saw a point wave was uh, you guys came back with your photos that totally ruined my life. <laughs> photos uh, and how influential those are. And I uh, just wanted to finish with, um, uh, you know, who, who how did you get influenced to leave? And then also, like, can you talk a little bit more about the uh the land that you bought down there like to me that was always just incredible that this teenage dude has a property on a point wave in central america yeah so i went down to costa rica and uh met Wait, was this the same what was this the same trip that you went to el salvador and mexico and then did you know this, this, this thing or this is later this was maybe a year later six months later or something like that i don't quite remember the timeline of it but my brother and i jeff went down and uh, he got really, you know, when I came home with stories, he said, shit, I'm going. And so we set up mm -hmm. a trip down to Costa Rica and uh, started off in Punta Arenas, met up with a couple of Aussie guys in the van. And uh, we went out to Pavonis, which is way down on the uh, Punta Barica, which is. Yeah, I got to tell you again now, this is like 1978. And I've been yeah. to Pavones uh, since 1990 which was uh, an insane trip in 1990. I'm talking, I'm talking uh, rivers blocking the road yeah. where you had, <laughs> no, this is the 1990. So I can't even imagine where uh, uh, potholes, the size of a house, uh, yeah, just right. incredible. Pass. The road passed Dominical, which is about halfway down on the, on the Pacific coast in 1990 was a nightmare. So yeah. How, how did you guys get down there back in 78? Well, that's just we, he, you know, I don't know. We got lucky. They had an old VW van and, and uh, we all went down there and piled into the van and, 
and went down to Pavonis and um, caught a nice swell while we were down there, actually. Uh, beautiful long left, just a gorgeous left. And there's a guy down there who was buying up all kinds of land, this gringo. And uh, he was in... He was in cahoots with this tax evader, Robert Vesco from the 70s. I don't even remember him or not or not, but he was just, just the IRS and the states wanted him. And so this guy, Danny Fowley was his name. He basically bought up seven miles of the coast there and was, you know, ostensibly deliver, gonna, going to um, build a resort. But what he was doing is he was using it as a way station to run drugs up to, to uh, California. And uh-huh. eventually he got busted and the whole, I mean, it's a long story. I don't want to get into the whole story, but when I went down there, there was a guy there who was really kind of like a local who said, we got to stop this guy from buying all the land. And we want, you know, how about we sell you some of this land? So at least there's somebody else who's got an interest down here other than him. And so, uh-huh. you know, I said, sounds great. And there was a piece of land that was right on the point. I mean, like, right on the takeoff zone by near the river mouth. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was, a, I don't know, it was a, a hectare or something, a couple of acres, maybe three acres. And I, um, and so. That's what I remember. Yeah. I remember so three I, acres. I remember the photo you showed. And I remember the a massive amount of envy and hatred I immediately felt for you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> hatred and envy motivates us, huh? <laughs> Shit. Here I am working, shucking oysters. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I came, I came home and I mailed this guy like $2,000. I had only known him for, I don't know how long, not very long. I mailed him $2,000 and he, you know, it's crazy, right? <laughs> I got to mail this guy $2,000. But he, you know, he's serious. He buys a property and we get it all set up in my, you know, my name. And actually my brother went in on it. And we spent subsequent years going down there, um, kind of like looking to build a house. And I actually figured I was going to marry some Tika, you know, and have a bunch of kids grow bananas and surf the rest of my life down there. And uh-huh. and that's a whole nother story. But my life took a, a whole different direction, uh, you know. And I we I just up- I like the fact that your brother went in with you on halves on a two thousand dollar property. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey man, two thousand dollars was a lot of money back in, then, dude. In, in Pavones, which is like million dollar properties yeah, right, now. Right. Well, you know what? There's a surf camp on the property that I used to own. I've seen pictures oh, no, of it dude. there. Yeah. There's a surf wow. surf camp on it. On the property. Oh, it's a I zoo, own. man. I don't know. I don't know when the last time it was you were down there, but literally as soon as you land in Costa Rica. Everybody sees your board and goes, oh, you're going to Pavones? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to Pavones. Yeah, I'm going to Pavones. Because it's just yeah, it's just incredible. The word that, and the, the zoo there is insane. So, yeah. yeah so and you everybody, picked a nice spot. And I, yeah. You know, can you describe, like, how many people were down there in 78? I mean. 78. There was uh, Danny's son and Danny's friend, friend's son, and uh, the two Aussies and my brother and I, six of us. Surfing Pavones. Surfing Pavones. Yeah. Yep. And there was a. Uh, I don't know Wait, I'm, I'm. I'm just going to have to get over my shock here for like about a minute. I mean, yeah. geez, you talk about perfect waves. Yeah. And to 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 have your choice, Adam, like that. Six people. I mean, a uh, uh, you, that place will handle you know thirty. Oh, easily. Yeah, because it's so long. It's a pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good place to go. But 
man, six guys out at Pavone's 1978 and you bought some property for two grand. Yeah. And so why didn't you ever develop that into a, a house and like uh, a little few, or did you, did you go down there multiple years and just get the <clears throat> get yeah. tired of the, the whole fucking no, scene? Or? No, no, not at all. We, we went down for a number of years and one year we were, uh, we went out by boat because it was a lot easier to go out by boat from Golfito than it was, um, than it was to go down, you know, by overland because the ruts in the road and all that. My brother and I were going down, and we're going down, and and the uh, freaking boat that we're in that was transporting all this, this, uh, this, you know, staples for the people that used to live out there, sunk, like it was. There was like six inches of freeboard. Uh, you had a bit of a chop develop in the water, and it took on water, and the damn thing sunk. <laughs> <laughs> so man, I wish I would. we take the road man this was your idea because <laughs> you're paddling from the middle of the gulf uh back with your whatever shit you could survive what how'd you guys get <laughs> well we got our boards you know they were in bags and stuff we yeah. got our boards and grabbed all our shit there was a mother and her child who you know couldn't swim really to speak of uh, my brother mm -hmm. took the kid and put um put the kid on his surfboard and paddled the kid in. I kind of worked with the mother, sometimes cross chest carrying her, sometimes putting her, putting her, putting her on my board and pushing her. I mean, it was a mess. Uh -huh. We were, I don't know, three quarters of a mile from land. And we, uh, we ended up getting back. We ended up getting out to land finally and, and uh, walked the rest of the way to the point, which was another 10 miles or whatever. But, hell, you're 25 years old or whatever it is. You <laughs> fucking anything back then. So, so did you guys – did you get your money back for the boat fare? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we lost – my brother lost his passport, right? And he couldn't – we didn't know how oh, the shit. fuck we were going to get out of the country. So we got back <laughs> So we go out to the point, you know, and the surf's going off. So we stay. We don't go anywhere, you know. We finish the swell out. And then uh, <laughs> we get back to Golfito. And this, we're about to get on the bus to go back to San Jose. And this guy walks up to my brother and hands him his passport and then disappears. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's very bizarre. And we don't know how that came about. I guess some fishermen kind of picked up all the shit. Of course, our traveler's checks and shit were gone. <laughs> they didn't get that back. <laughs> but at least we got our passport back. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff was gone. He figured he couldn't use the passport. There yeah. you go. You're right. good. So how right come on. I sold it? You asked that question. Why did I sell it? I had a really interesting experience when I was I, – I built a sailboat. And my plan was to go down, uh, sail the boat to Costa Rica and use it to kind of ferry supplies to and from, and, which is a con completely crazy-ass idea. It wasn't going to work at all. It was more of a lake boat, and I was ready to take it across <laughs> the Gulf of Mexico. I didn't have a lot of sense back then. I really didn't in a lot of ways. But, but anyway, I built this boat, and I, my girlfriend... Well, you had experience with one boat, so I think you might as well take another one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right and so uh so uh, <laughs> so i built this sailboat and my girlfriend was coming along at the time and and uh you know we're and and so so i'm i have it in Merritt island i was over uh in Merritt island so i was surfing during the day and fixing the boat up getting ready to go and and there was this church down the road this it's kind of this it's called the spiritualist church and basically what it is is some lady 
who uh, like talks to dead people and gives you messages from the other world, right? And uh -huh. I, when I had grown up, nice. I had gone and, you know, my parents were kind of involved in one of these churches for a while. And so I knew a little bit about it. And I went there, you know, I'm an out-of-towner. And I come and sit down in the middle of the pews and I'm sitting there listening and she's doing her thing. And she says, she points at me. She says, hey, you. You know, of course, I turn around and looking back at me because it can't be me she's talking to. I mean, this, I'm just this guy who's, you know, transient, moving through, right? <laughs> she says, no, uh -huh. I'm, talking, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I have a message for you from your spirit guides. And I, I said, okay, this is, this is fucking crazy, right? So she says, you are not to take off and go traveling in your sailboat. That is not your, you're not going to be traveling around the world. That's not your, your destiny in life. You, you're going to, you need to settle down and find some place to live. And, and that's going to be your, your route in life. And I thought that wow. is, that is absolute horseshit. I, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, there's no fucking way I'm not going to go and take this boat and go do what I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> So uh -huh, yeah, you're a pretty determined guy. Focused. Yeah. yeah so yeah. anyway, from that moment on, everything fucking went wrong that could go wrong with the boat. You wouldn't believe it, but everything went wrong. But I just wasn't gonna listen. I wasn't gonna listen to that horse shit. I'm gonna go do what I was planning on doing. And anyway, so we ended up. We ended up. I lost a couple of motors, outboard motors, in the off the back of the boat. I mean, really, I was gonna. Mark, you got to get it. This is a 27 foot boat. Better designed for a bay or a river. I've got an outboard motor on it. My intention is to sail it across the Gulf of Mexico, down to the, <laughs> through the Panama Canal and around. Right? <laughs> I didn't have a fucking clue. So, hmm. so anyway, I go. Uh, I, I we head down the river and we head out through Stewart Inlet, you know, and we're getting ready mm -hmm. to make a trip across to the Bahamas, uh, just to kind of test to test run, so to speak. Now. I went out. I had no motor. You need to understand. I had no charts. I had a sextant. Oh, shit. I had a sextant, but I didn't know how to work it. But I'll be damned if I wasn't going to go come hell or high water. Yeah, yeah it was going to be a learning experience. <laughs> so I sail out, and, uh, and we get hit by one of these microbursts, these intense thunderstorms that have, like, hurricane-force winds. Comes up out of nowhere. Blows the boat mm -hmm. onto a sandbar. I throw the anchor out. At one point, I'm out holding the boat off of the sandbar in torrential rain and winds, screaming at God for not, <laughs> not allowing me, so to speak, to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> like, I got an agenda here. I got my own ma mind made up. God, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Getting in my way. I was absolutely blind with fury. At. I'll get a motor. I promise. I'll get a motor. <laughs> no, there was no compromising. It was just like being just flat out fucking pissed off. And then something shifted in me. I just, something just gave way. And I said, I get it. I, you know what? This is what happens when you fight against, you fight against whatever it is that, you know, you're fighting against, mm -hmm. right? This is what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, right. you know, after the storm passed, we sailed back into the inlet. I sailed up the river. I tell you, every bridge, I didn't have a motor, so I had to time the bridge openings right. Every bridge all the way up the intercoastal waterway opened when I needed to get there. I mean, really, I, it was like, I, wow. I, I'm not fucked. I'm not sensitive condition. It was no, really I'm, weird. It was the golf really scene out of The golf scene out of Caddyshack is coming to my mind yeah. right now. Yeah. Woo. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so, torrential downpour. He's yeah. making every punt. Yeah. And I, then and then the ball hits him and, and he's no more. Yeah. The boat was gone, huh? <laughs> so the boat was done and I, I ended up selling it to my partner who was in jail. Uh for murdering his wife. That was the guy I bought the boat with, which is another story, but I won't go into that one um, Wow! at this point. And I sold him the boat, and I moved out to Texas with my girlfriend, and and uh, we got married. We did a honeymoon in Puerto Escondido, um, and, and then we got divorced shortly thereafter, and, and I kind of left surfing do, for a do while. You think that- you think taking her to Port Porto can beat him? Yeah, it wasn't a good move on my part. She got yeah. sick. She says, "What the fuck are we doing here anyway?" Oh, I no, said, "The surf was good." I said, "Back, check out the surf over there, man. It's like fucking going off." <laughs> <laughs> and I realized at that point this marriage wasn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. No. So oh, well, hey, at least at least you tested the waters. But yeah. You probably should before the honeymoon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So anyway, I mean, well, that's the yeah. long of it, the short of it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I for you know, you're 62 ish now, and uh, yeah. well, 40s, 30, 40 years, 40 years in the ocean in various forms, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't realized you'd started that late, you know, 14. So from 14, you you made a quick decision to get into uh, to getting the hell out of Florida and making it happen, which. Uh, uh, like I say, man, you know, I kind of want to end on thank you too, because, um, like I say, those photos you guys brought back, uh, you know, I'll never forget the point wave you brought and your story of the land. And then the, the picture of John dropping in at, at a big wave in Escondido or, uh, El Salvador, I believe it was, yeah. and, you know, he was just skinny. He's still skinny, little scrawny guy, but he was real skinny and scrawny with his. I just remember a little skinny, scrawny guy with his long hair flowing and right. dropping in on a big on ass a gun, wave. a brown and a brown, yeah, big big ass wave. And um, you know, we didn't have boards like that. Right. So I remember your point wave, your your stories of the travels, and then that picture of John, and particularly the board, the, the massive size of the board, and. Uh, Man, that just was, you know, I I I got kicked out of college uh, for a year. Uh, I had I had serious issues. I just did not want to be in Orlando anymore. And, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, there's a story of I've met so many guys and, and lived up lived in Hawaii with several guys from Orlando, and we never really sat. We just enjoyed being there at the time, and you know, we didn't talk philosophy and what you did and what kind of what we're doing now you know, retrospect stuff. We were just living, but, uh, since I've had a chance to talk with them, it's amazing how, uh, just little things go on to, to people you don't even know. Mm. That's what's cool about life in so many ways is people you don't, you would never even know who they are, but because of those, your, your willingness to just, you know, leave mom and dad behind and <laughs> yeah. head off into the, wildness that was because it sure was yeah uh is just such a uh a great uh spirit that you that you had and i, I just really appreciate that. oh i think i appreciate your time today too i really appreciate your time